Kia ora, Pakakariki. Welcome to Dancing in Your Head with your hosts Dan, Nell, and Rita. And today, our very special guest is Joe Corwood from Up the Line in Te Haro. Hello, Joe. Good day, Dan. How are you? Very good. And Joe's a fantastic musician and long old friend, and um, is played in so many different groups, including Little Bushman. Swagman, The Woods, Deconstruction Unit. Wow, okay. Yep, you remember better than me. <laughs> I don't know what else is there. Must be plenty more. Oh, yes, there was Syzygy back in the day. And, Ooh, um, that's right. Yeah. Urban Tanifa. Whoa, that's going back. Oh, man, dredging the memory banks. <laughs> <coughs> Joe is a great guitarist and um, writer of music. And uh, we're here to... Here, discover Joe's music today. So, um, yeah, welcome, Joe. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Yeah. Um, what are we going to start with? Well, this first track is by a woman called Jean Ritchie, who was known as the grandmother of folk. She was an Appalachian singer. She grew up very much in that tradition of, you know, learning the songs from her parents who learned them from their parents. And um, I saw I did a whole album recently of solo guitar music which was inspired either by british folk tunes or appalachian tunes mainly mm. and sort of enjoyed taking those which are from my roots and my heritage and just messing with them and sort of adding some elements from some of the other music i've been involved with over the years cool um so track two that we'll hear today is from that album and it's a track called oh lovers teasing and gene ritchie's version is the one that sort of inspired it she's got this she sings and plays the dulcimer and she just got this, her voice just has this way of just <clears throat> reaching into your soul and grabbing you. It's a very simple sort of folk tune, but she has this beautiful way of playing counter melodies on her dulcimer and mm. just um, getting right to the emotional heart of whatever she does, which to me is the the key thing. There's lots more, I guess, brainy music that doesn't do that. So I really love what she does with this tune. And is this an old, is this a sort of like an old, old archive recording? Um, when was she Yeah, um, oh, I'm not enough of an ethnomusicologist to know exactly when she was doing her thing. But I think she's passed away now. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure. But it, it's a tr- traditional tune. And yeah, the interesting thing with the Appalachian tunes, it may have come from the UK originally. It might be an old British folk tune that's transmogrified in the Appalachian Mountains. Mm. But um yeah, I don't know that much about it. It's just a great tune, though. Let's have a listen. So this is Gene Ritchie and O oh, Love Is Teasing. Oh, love is teasing and love is pleasing. Love's a pleasure when first it is new. But as love grows older, it still grows cold. Mother 
Nice, nice tune. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so we're just saying kind of, as it sounded a little bit, reminded me of Maggie Barry, not the... Uh, oh, she's Scottish, eh, Maggie Barry? <laughs> Maggie Barry is Irish. Irish. Yeah. So, um, but that similar, really, sparse and uh, a, comp- a solo accompanied thing. Yeah, great. Cool. Yeah, so, so I did, the next tune is a version of that that I did on a... Solo guitar album. I can I, I I should do a little self promotion. Eh? <laughs> so if you go to joecallwood.com, you can download that the album of solo guitar stuff. Um, when was that? Is that recent? Yeah, about a uh, six months or so ago. I finished it all off. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so I was taking these tunes and thinking about what is it about them that I really love. And in that particular piece, it was her rubato feel, the way she just push pushes and pulls the rhythm around, and that. It's a very specific way, but really it wasn't until I tried to approximate what she does that I realised how <laughs> incredible it is what she does, you know. And also just that airy, haunting, lamenting mood that she gets. Um, so I ended up recording it on the banjitar. My dad had an old banjitar, banjo guitar, which is basically a banjo strung like a guitar, six strings like a guitar. And I put that down into a floppy sort of tuning. I've been using this dad, dad open droney sort of tuning so i um i used that on the banjitar and it, it sort of seemed to capture something of that mood anyway cool mm. should we have a listen do it so this is joe's version of oh love love is teasing Thank you. 
traditional uh, folk tune and that's Joe Corwood's solo banjo tar or guitar Joe <laughs> version <laughs> and uh, where did you record that? That was all recorded at my parents house while they were away in their stairwell they've got this beautiful wooden stairwell with quite a high roof and um, Rooms sound best when they have odd angles. There was no, not too many parallel surfaces, so lots True. of odd angles to break up the sound. And um, the thing that made the album take a while was I had to keep waiting for my, I got half of it done, then had to keep waiting for my parents to leave on holiday again before I could do the other. I could say, are you guys going away at any point? No, no, we're enjoying being at home at the moment. Oh, are you sure? I'll shout you a trip. <laughs> so, yeah, then they went away again and I did the second half of the album, so. Yeah, mm. it's a fun process just hanging out there, having cups of tea and recording bits and pieces. And did you record a bunch of different instruments? 
Yeah, so I tried to keep the album interesting so it wasn't all one stringed thing. So there was the banjo guitar, there was 12 string guitar, nylon string guitar, and steel string. But the culpable of it was just for it just to be a guitar in a room being a guitar. So zero overdubbing or processing other than the basic mixing, if you know what I mean. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. So as a challenge for myself more than anything to not use any effects or layering, just yeah to have playing the instrument be enough mm. yeah. nice and then we were just chatting while that was playing uh, there's a whole um, canon of uh, solo mostly like steel string guitarists and it's kind yeah. of an American thing mostly I guess yeah I've got it? quite a few British ones as well yeah, mm. yeah. but you didn't feel sometimes you, there's a sort of a, a um, could be a little pressure or something to you know that you're adding to this thing which is already quite a big tradition did you kind of have, was there any thought about what you're doing that was different or uh, keeping within that or anything yeah i mean there's so many amazing solo guitarists and for me it's a new thing like i've always played lots of electric guitar and in ensembles so to actually a be on acoustic guitar and b be holding it all on my own with no one around me because I, I do i think we all do we rely so much on our fellow musicians to help us out you know what mm -hmm. i mean like mm -hmm. often i'll be practicing away in my room and think oh man i can't even play what am i even doing and then get to a rehearsal and it feels really really good it's like oh so it's the energy of those other people that make you feel like you can make it work so having all that on yourself mm. so i kind of intentionally did it as a challenge because it's a difficult thing to do but no i don't think i was trying to copy anyone just trying to i guess everyone's got their unique musical journey and the unique things that have influenced them so just trying to bring in everything over the years from the jazz and the free Im improv not that there's heaps of that in there but um to a lot of the african music and blues music and music from north india and wherever just trying to bring it all into an interpretation of what was my own personal uh cultural tradition in music if you know what i mean mm. Mm. And we've got another one from the same album, Next Up, called Rocky Road. What's this? What's yeah, the story? So it's here? an interpretation of a, the Rocky Road to Dublin, which you might know. You know not the ice cream. No, no, oh. not the ice cream. Or the no. chocolate bar. I've always wanted to write a song about an ice cream bar, though, so <laughs> it might be next. <laughs> but it's a, an Irish jig, um, which I grew up with my dad singing, and I always really liked the rhythm of it. It's got, it's a, you know, those bouncy jigs, but it's in. Um, Nine eight, so it's like a three beat cycle. That sort of thing. Mm. Um, so I always really liked the rhythms of it, and I was sort of learning it one day because I just went, went through a phase of learning jigs and reels and whatnot on the guitar, and went to play it one day. But the guitar was in an open tuning, and I hadn't realised. And it's like, oh, it's actually. <laughs> so it was one of those happy accidents where I was trying to play it in normal tuning, but I accidentally had the wrong tuning, and it sort of completely changed the scale and melodic notes of the thing but it worked really really well so it became this um yeah it's completely different sounding version of the melody with the same melodic shape um and then i sort of started messing with the rhythms a bit um yeah so it became quite a different thing than the original but was still the the whole shape of the original tune in there basically mm. Mm. should we listen do it the rocky road here we go Mm-hmm. 
Rocky Road to Dublin. Traditional song. Interpreted there by Joe Cord, our guest here today. And, uh, yeah, beautiful. Cheers, mate. Nice. Very nice. Um, yeah, what's uh, next is, uh, well, we're sort of heading towards Swagman, I can see, by your playlist here. Yeah, yeah. So Swagman is a sort of local Okapiti-based band. Um, it's myself. Again, that's mainly acoustic guitars, 12-string and nylon string, and a little bit of electric here and there. A um, guy called Gabe Davidson, who is actually the owner of the Wellington Chocolate Factory, who do amazing boutique oh. bean-to-bar uh, fair trade chocolate in Wellington there. Um, he's a great saxophone player, plays baritone sax and alto saxophone. And he's recently, when his granddad passed away, inherited his old vibraphone, beautiful old vintage vibraphone set, which Gabe's always played a bit of vibe, and he's been getting amongst it with Swagman, which you'll hear on not the next track, but the one after. Um, and Brent McFarlane on the drums, who is someone I used to jam with when we were teenagers. We had a band called Moeski, which was sort of a bit inspired by Mr. Bungle. I don't know if you oh, I remember John Zorn's Mr. <laughs> Bungle. <laughs> yeah. We play these grooves and then go into these complete mad sections. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, like on. It's like um, like high speed dubbing of. Faith No More or something. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, so we've been playing together forever, and Brent's just a super groovy drummer. He just likes laying down real solid grooves. That's his his thing. Mm. Um, so the track after the next one is a Swagman track. We just recently completed a double album, which, can, if I can do another plug, we're having an album release at the yeah. Mati Social Club, 15th of January. Cool. Um, yeah, so double album of instrumentally groovy stuff. Um, and yeah, the track of Swagman we're going to play is called Mauritania and Brent's feel, drum feel for that was taken off an artist from Mauritania whose name I've sadly forgotten now and couldn't find any examples of. Mm. Um, but I thought it was a good excuse to play one of my favourite, um, singers from Mauritania, a lady by the name of Gurmi Aswede, which I'm probably saying completely wrong, um... But the, you've, probably, you've heard a bit of Mauritania music. I know Demi Mintabar, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's a real nice combination of sort of that really embellished sort of uh, Arabic sort of vocal style and some mm. really interesting sort of rhythms and things. Mm. And in the track you'll hear this um, detuned floppy guitar sort of playing riff with maybe a bit of chorus or, or something on and that sort of inspired the Swagman guitar approach a little bit. Yeah, so I've been listening to Gurmia Swady for a little while and she's, it's hard to find recordings of her. I've just found little bits and pieces on YouTube of her playing and I don't know if she's much of a, a big name or whatever, but she's got one of those voices, a bit like Jean Ritchie in a completely different way that just grabs you, mm. you know what I mean? Gets right to the... Should we check yeah. it out? Do it.
That's a Gurmi Eswede. Yeah, that's the one, something like that. Um, from Mauritania. And which was a influence on the uh, next track we're going to play, which is the Swagman, which is your Joe's uh, group 
the trio. Yes. Yeah. I was just saying to Dan, off air, I should have played that track after hours because now you've been comparing us to <laughs> these master musicians from Mauritania. <laughs> but this is the Kapiti Coast version of music from Mauritania. Also in 6 4, so it's got a similarity there. Cool. Should we just rock on yeah. and have a listen? Cool. cool. So this is called Mauritania by Swagman.
Yeah, that's a quite an epic track there by Swagman called Mauritania with Joe Corbett on the guitar. Uh-huh. Nice one. Cheers, man. Yeah, cool. Um, and before we leave Swagman, that's from a album that you just recorded that's Getting released in January. A double album, no less. Woo-hoo. Yeah, yeah. So, awesome. Ramati Social Club on the 15th of Jan, if anyone's in town. Cool. Yeah. Yep. Sounds great. Nice. All right. Well, moving along, what's what have you got in store for us next? Well, so I'll, I'll keep to our theme of playing a tune preceded by what influenced the tune. So, nice. um, the tune after the next one is by The Woods, which is a quartet, another mm-hmm. instrumental group, quartet. Uh, with myself, obviously, and my bro Tom Callwood on the bass, um, Rick Cranston on the drums, and uh, Blair Latham playing tenor sax on this one. Mm. And uh, it's a tune that we called Cusco. Um, and I was going to say inspired, but more directly stolen from <laughs> <laughs> a uh, per- little traditional Peruvian thing. Um, so I don't know if you remember many moons ago, the Wellington Library sold off their entire vinyl collection. I was overseas, but I heard about that happening, and yeah. I was really bummed out that I wasn't around yeah. for it. Yeah. yeah, and they were a dollar a record. Yeah. Was, I, I, I assume, and it's probably fair enough, that having people loan records from a library was probably a fraught enterprise. And well, they they've got, got back into it now. Really? Yeah, yeah, they started yeah. buying re- vinyl back in there. Yeah, right. I think New Zealand only vinyl, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But I found out via Jeff Henderson, and he didn't didn't tell us until after he'd had a good old <laughs> pill for himself. <laughs> so all the jazz and blues and all those sort of sections were well and truly pillaged. <laughs> um, but the world music section was pretty untouched. And that was kind of, I think, that mere fact was quite a pivotal moment in what I ended up listening to for the next however many years, <laughs> to be honest. So I just walked out with this huge swag of music from all around the world not having a clue what it was just oh it looks interesting and grabbed a huge stack of it for a dollar each you know amazing um, one of them was an album called the blind street musicians of Cusco, which was literally what it says it was a field recording of three musicians who were all blind and played on the street and um, they played the a harp as in a big harp mm-hmm. and mandolin and voice um and yeah, just I was really struck by the way, just the lilting sort of approach they had to rhythm. It was something I have never been able to even approximate or attempt to approximate. I don't know quite. I guess it's a something you grow up with in a particular unique Peruvian way to feel time or groove or whatever. Mm. Um, and read up a little bit on the music, and the roots of it are right back in the Inca culture and then the Spanish invaded and all the Spanish instruments like the mandolin and whatnot became part of the musical tradition but there were still these older influences from the Inca Empire and I'm sort of guessing here but from what I've read of the Incas it was a very mathematical culture so the structures of the music are very um, yeah they have these quite complex rhythmic structures so the very beginning of one of these Peruvian ch- tunes just had such a nice little weird structure, but it made perfect sense and flows mm. really nicely. Um, and I really like the way between the harp and mandolin, it's a bit like Bach, um, his two-part inventions where you've got two voices 
doing their own thing and they've both got a strong melody within themselves, but they're combining to make something that's bigger than the sum of their mm-hmm. parts. So this is like the weird, lilting, odd time signature Peruvian version of that. So we'll play the Peruvian version first and then we sort of maybe roll straight into the woods sort cool. of adaptation of it. So this one is called Mayas Apomusca. Oh, which means the river has bought me an orange. All right. Thank 
That's a track called Kuzco by The Woods. Is The Woods from Cool Wood? I think it is, although don't, don't tell the non-Cool Wood band members <laughs> that that's the derivation of the name. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joe Coolwood and his brother Tom Coolwood are guitar and bass players that's in their band, along right. with Rick Cranston on the drums, your little Bushman drummer yeah. um, bandmate. That's essentially the little Bushman band. The woods, yeah, yeah. Cool. we sadly haven't played a lot recently, but yeah, we used to play RSC quite regularly back in the day. Mm. Mm. Nice, great track. Yeah. Thanks, cheers, man. Yeah, we're almost wrapping up this hour. Thank you, Joe, for being our special guest. Thanks for inviting me on, it's been awesome. Um, and shall we play a little something to take us to the end of the hour? Have mm. you got we've got a few? There's one called The Magic Ocean Tree. Is that another woods track? That's another Woods track, yeah. Valley of the Dry Bones. Oh, that's off the swag. Maybe we should close with a Swagman track. Cool. I have to keep promoting our upcoming album release. (laughs) Cool. I'll start playing it underneath while we... Yeah, cool. So this is a sort of uh, Brent Samba feel on the drums, maybe vaguely influenced by the Brazilian composer Tom Zay, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's got some uh, Gabe on the vibraphone playing a weird sort of... um, Congatronics-y sort of uh, riff, vibraphone riff. Yeah. Cool. And so, if you didn't catch it already, 15th of January the, at the RSC. That's the one. Album release of Swagman. Thanks, Joe Coolwood. Cheers, Dan. Thanks for having me. All right. <laughs>